Oh, that's fantastic. Did you poop on the new rug? <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Uh, so we're going to be in a four-week series entitled Messy Church, and we're going to kind of hit a couple of topics. But, um, you know, when God put the idea of planting a church in Heather and I's heart um, about three and a half years ago, um, what, what we didn't have a vision for was a room full of perfect people. It wasn't a vision of an amazing production. It wasn't even an awesome building with a huge parking lot. Uh, in fact, it was a vision of a messy church with beautiful people. And um, I'll have to, I have to say that, you know, messy and beautiful are rarely in the same conversation. And I don't know if you're like me, but like, I love things clean. I love things neat, and I'm not a big fan of clutter. Anybody with me? Is there anybody here that just, you're just not bothered by clutter? Like, you could just do clutter all day, and it's totally fine. Anybody like that? Oh, come on, let's be honest. I, I see those hands. Like your own clutter. I'm the guy who I can't relax, like at night, if I'm going to sit down and enjoy a book or enjoy a, a, a show. If there's clutter, it's just, it's not going to happen. I got to clean it up first, and then I can sit down. Anybody with me? And so for me, messy and beautiful are rarely in the same conversation. That being said, what I have learned, particularly with my family, is that oftentimes messy is, is sort of in conjunction with or a sign of life, right? Uh, at home, I know that like in 10 years, my wife and I, and some of you can relate with this because some of you are kind of at that stage where you're empty nesters, but I know that when my wife and I get there where we're empty nesters, we're going to wander around the house, right? And I'm going to look around at a clutter-free environment. There's no backpacks on the floor. There's no like one sock sitting in the living room, no dishes, right? The, all of that. We're walking around. It's going to be perfect. And I know that I'm going to look to Heather and go, what I would give for just one more day of a backpack on the ground, dirty laundry in the hallway, because it's a sign of something beautiful, isn't it? And, um, and so we want to talk about that as it relates to the church. And I think that sometimes we fail to recognize that messy is not the enemy of beautiful. It's often its co-pilot. And I think that oftentimes in life, particularly when it comes to church, relationships, faith, um, we create beautiful little boxes with not a lot of room for messy. And I think that we're going to see in this series that there are some beautiful things that come from just a little bit of mess. And, uh, and so today, we're kind of hitting uh, the topic, messy church, beautiful message. Because Jesus came with a beautiful message. But that message is a little messy. And we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 17. And if you've been with Heart Church for any length of time, then you'll know that uh, there's just kind of like one central message and theme that I revisit a lot here at the church because our uh, mission of the church is to helping, helping people find life in Christ through a revival of the heart. And the revival of the heart piece is important because we believe that 
that life in Christ comes from the inside and not outward behavior. It's an inward transformation and not an outward work. And so because of that, there's kind of a central message. You're going to hear that message today. And the message is beautiful and it's messy. And so uh, Luke chapter 17, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, I've preached from this uh, story before because it's an amazing story. Uh, But if we're not careful, we'll kind of miss the whole idea. And it says this in chapter 17 and verse 12. Then as he, Jesus, entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. So it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorifying God, and fell down on his face at, his, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And this is important. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said to them, were not ten cleansed? But where, where are the other nine? Were not any found who entered to give, return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the beautiful message that you have for us, that you've always had for us, the message that you came to give. And so today, Jesus, I pray that we would see its beauty and its complexity, and all the aspects of it that make it maybe not fit into our little box, Jesus, and maybe can feel a little bit messy, but God, it's beautiful. And so open up our eyes once again to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So 10 guys have a terminal skin illness, right? And you've heard this before. Leprosy was no joke. They weren't allowed anywhere around. They they, they were their own company, and uh, Jesus says, go your way and, and, and then show yourself to the priest. Well, this is a bad idea because they're not healed yet, and going and showing yourself to the priest, you would only do that if you don't have leprosy anymore, which was a very rare thing, but that was something that Jesus was asking them to do. And as they went, they got healed, and so this was, this was kind of a win for them. They began to get healed. They're on their way. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, we could actually make this appointment. So they made the appointment with the priest, which was according to the law, made the appointment for the priest to go and get cleared. And what they would get is a certificate to worship in the temple courts because they weren't allowed to worship in the temple courts outside of that certificate because they had leprosy. But if they would go and present themselves to the priest, they'd get a certificate and say, you're clean. You can go now worship in the temple courts. And everything... Uh, was going perfect until one guy kind of had a double woe, right? It's like, whoa, we're getting healed. And then, whoa, who was that guy (laughs) that just healed us? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So this is where the, the message starts to get a little messy because there was a plan, plan in place. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They said, all right, let's do it. Wow, we're getting healed. Wow, we're healed. Let's go fulfill our commitment go to the priest, get the certificate. And one guy's like, well, wait, time out. 
I think we should go a different direction. So let's talk about the nine. So the Jewish law states that you must go and present yourself to a local priest. And the local priest would say, you have fulfilled the law. You have gone and done specifically what you're supposed to do if you're healed somehow miraculously and you think you no longer have leprosy and you think that you should be able to worship in the temple courts, then the law says go to the priest and he will say, here's your certificate, you have fulfilled the law. And at that point, man, you're feeling great. You're feeling accepted. You've done everything you need to do and now you can go worship freely. But Luke tells us that one of these guys was a Samaritan. The Samaritan was not Jewish. So he didn't understand the law or what was required of him. He just knows he was hanging out with his buddies. Who knows how long they were hanging out together? It was 10 guys. They were like this little crew. Maybe they had leprosy for years and years. They knew each other really, really well. And just so happens that one was a Samaritan, but who cares? Because listen, when you don't have anyone else to hang out with, how many know you'll hang out with people, even the people that you don't necessarily like? And Jews didn't like Samaritans. But listen, all we got is us 10, so we might as well hang out together. So one of them was a Samaritan, and come to find out, he doesn't follow the teaching of the Torah. And so I would imagine that they're on their way, and they're like, the Jesus says, hey, go, go make this appointment. And they're like, this is a bad idea, but hey, we don't have anything else to do, and so we're just going to kind of start walking. And all of a sudden, they start realizing they're getting healed. I mean, put yourself in this moment, right? Like leprosy, you're missing, missing limbs, right? Body parts. Can you imagine? Like one guy's like, I got fingers, I got toes, I mean, just epic moment, right? The one, there's 10 of them, they're all being healed simultaneously. Who knows if it happened like this or if it was slow or if they're watching their, you know, their fingers grow back or whatever it was, but these guys had leprosy to the point where they're crying out for mercy and all of a sudden as they went, probably no one else around, they're on the road and they're just like having a ball. Oh my gosh, look at your, look at your arms growing back. Your face is now like, you're beautiful. Wow, to unmask yourself, right? Because they were all like swaddled and, and, and they're getting healed. And it's amazing. And so the Samaritan, like, he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know why they're going to see the priest. He just figured like, okay, well, that's what, we're... but now that they're being healed, he's going, hey guys, like we, we should go back and thank this dude because he just like miraculously healed us. And so something about this man is true. What they say is true. Maybe he is the Messiah. But everyone's saying, this is later on in Jesus' life, everyone's saying that he's the Messiah and, and we've just been healed. Let's go back and thank him. Let's go back and worship this guy. And, and the 10 were like, listen, listen, buddy. I know you're all excited and we are too, but there's a way to do things. And so let us tell you how we're going to do it. And the way we do things is we go to the priest. We don't need to go think that. And this, the guy's like, well, listen, we're, we're transformed. I mean, have you ever ugly cried? Right? Have you ever, this is like, oh my gosh. And you're like happy, but everybody's like, are you okay? You're like, I am okay, but I just can't help it. Right? Like, have you ever done that? 
It's especially fun when a dude ugly cries, right? It's like a little embarrassing. It's clear that you don't cry very much. And when you do, it's like, whoa, buddy, that is, that is fantastic. And so, so here this guy is, and he, it says that he was like yelling with a loud voice, falling at the feet of Jesus. I mean, he was ugly crying. He's a mess. And yet these guys... They were like, dude, you kind of need to pull it together, bro. Like, I get it. You're, you're, you've been healed. You think Jesus is awesome. But like, dude, like, let's make it a little more proper. We got to go to the priest and he needs to give us a certificate because we've got to fulfill the law. And so, yeah, like we can be excited on the inside, but dude, put away the, you're too messy. You're too messy. The nine were really intentioned Jews trying to do what is right. And so you would expect that Jesus, so this one guy goes back and the nine are gone. They're, they're on their way on the journey. Who knows how, how long that journey is, but they are on their journey. And so the one comes back falling at the feet of Jesus. Thank you so much, right? And so you would expect Jesus, you would expect, what's up, Lamont? What's up, baby? You would expect Jesus to be like, hey, so how did it go with the priest? Right? Like, I sent you on your way. Go see the priest. Now you're back. Maybe you run faster than the other guys. How did it go? Did you do what I asked you to do? And the guy's like, well, not exactly. I mean, I know you said I was supposed to go do this, but I, I, I got excited because my fingers grew back. And my face isn't deformed anymore. And I just figured, I don't know, come and thank you. And, and don't you think Jesus would have been like, listen, buddy, I uh, love the appreciation. I think that's a value to be grateful, right, Lamont? Be thankful. But I kind of need you to obey. I kind of need you to follow through. Anybody, anybody have kids and it's like sometimes what you ask them to do and them obeying are, are really, sometimes it's just obeying is more important than even what I asked you to do. I don't even remember what I asked you to do or why I asked you to do it. I just need you to follow through. Any parents in the room? I just need you to show me that you can follow through. Can you do that for me? <laughs> so here's Jesus and he's got this guy and he's totally ignored what Jesus said. And what's Jesus' response? Not what you think. It's not like, hey, buddy, I need you to be faithful. I need you to follow through. I need you to do the things I've asked you to do. No, Jesus is like, where are the other nine? What? What do you mean? What, maybe, I don't know, Jesus, maybe doing what you told them to do. Where are the other nine? Um, I don't. Are they coming? Are they, are they going to be back? I don't think so. I don't think they're coming, Jesus. They were pretty adamant about the whole Jewish law thing and the way you sent them off. to. I don't, I don't think they're coming back. I think I'm the only one. So Jesus says, well, you've chosen wisely. Come on. Uh, you are so confusing, Jesus. Am I supposed to do what you say or am I supposed to not? This is a really messy message. I don't understand. Do you ever just need somebody to just spell it out for you? Just tell me what to do. 
I mean, I, I meet newer Christians or, you know, people that come to the church newer and, and not really in faith. And, you know, it's funny because I have some conversations with them, bless their heart, well-intentioned, and they have conversations with me like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like this whole church thing, new to it, tell me what to do. And I love that question because it's super innocent, but the answer is really messy. I used to work at... Um, a sales job. Seven years ago, I took a season off ministry and I worked for a year for this sales company. And I worked remotely and they had a, a company that had a big building in the Northwest. And we, um, we serviced phone systems for large building, large uh, Fortune 500 companies and hospitals. And we serviced their phone systems. And, and so I was a salesperson. And when I had just been hired, I had to go up to corporate and spent like two weeks there getting trained and everything. And it was really overwhelming because, you know, when all you've ever done is pastor, and then you get thrown into like the sales force. I'm a, like a decent salesperson because I sell Jesus every week, but like I've never sold a phone system. So um, anyway, I was like, you know, a little lost, out of my element. And I mean, I'm in like a full on, almost like a suit. Everyone's dressed up. And I remember walking through the deal and uh, my manager gave me this like really thick um, employee handbook. And he had told me, you know, to look it over for like a week, and then I had come back. And so now I'm walking the property and everything, and I have these, all these questions. And so I'm asking my manager, like, how do you do this, and what do you do this, and tell me about this, you know. And, and, and his response was like, did you, read, did you read any, like, the manual? And I'm like, no, not really. It was really thick, and there was a lot of information, and I skimmed it. <laughs> Anybody ever get a job and you have a thick ma manual and do you ever read it like in the first day? Come on. What do you do? You get around somebody that knows what they're doing and be like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Right? Like, tell me the pitfalls. Tell me how to win here. Like, I get there's a manual, but, but there's most of the things that I need to know, I can learn in like a few minute conversation and just watching you like, tell me what to do. And do you ever feel like that with Christianity? Like, like, hey, we have a manual. Just go. You want to know what to do? Just read the manual. And it's like, I got lost in Leviticus. Can you just tell me what to do? Right? Like, I know, I know it's in here for sure. And the, the table of contents is not a lot of help because it's just, it's just names of books that I don't understand. And so just tell me what to do. And, and I think that if we're honest, we can get a little bit stuck there. And can you imagine like a new person and you like giving them the tutorial of how to win here? Well, like attendance is a big thing. So, you know, be here on Sundays. What else would you tell them? Well, I mean, you know, it's casual, so don't worry about dressing up. Not going to get any points for that, right? Um, uh, you know, offering, you know, maybe put some offering, but we don't really pass the bucket here, so it, maybe it's not a big deal. So, you know, I don't know, you figure that one out on your own. But uh, worship, we worship a lot here. So, and when, when, and, the, and when the music goes up, maybe kind of give a little, like, high, you know, two hands up. That's big here, right? Um, you know, and, 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 then, and then just kind of, you know, be nice to people, right? And then, and then do the small group thing, you know, carry your Bible, right? I mean, if you read it, that's fine, but like carry it because that's, that's points too. Right? I mean, just tell me what to do. How do I win, right? It's messy because it's not that cut and dry, is it? Like our faith 
What we do here, what we're about, it's just like, I don't know, man. I couldn't give it to you in an elevator pitch. I mean, I can tell you about Jesus in an elevator pitch, but I don't know that's going to answer the questions you have. Anybody with me? Just tell me how to win. Tell me what to do. So Luke's gospel is written primarily to Jewish people. And so when, when Luke tells this story about these, about these nine lepers and this one Samaritan, which he's very specific about highlighting, the one, the 10%, the 90% and the 10%. No doubt Luke in his writings is writing to the 90%. He's writing to the Jewish audience. He's writing to people who are just trying to figure out, define the box for me, and then tell me where I need to check the boxes to win. Because that's what the law is about. There's a very clear way, way to win and to lose, and you just check the boxes. And so Luke is writing this gospel to these kinds of people. And no, no doubt, um, it, you know, uh, it's, 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 as if, it's as if they've lost the forest through the trees. Uh, it's as if they've, they've, they've lost sight of what's important, which is right in front of them, the Messiah. And so when you read this passage, it's easy to get lost in like, oh, the whole idea is be thankful, be grateful. Let's put that on the list. Yeah, in this environment, we need to be thankful. We need to be grateful. It's kind of part of worship. Have a good attitude, be positive, right? Celebrate one another. That's a value here too. And so be encouraging, be thankful. If somebody does something for you, like heal you of a flesh-eating disease, man, you should go back and say, thank you, right? That's all a win here, checkbox. And, and Luke is writing to the 90%, which I know we see ourselves in the 10% because that's just, you know, we always do. But the truth is most of us fall into the 90% in our own mind and in our own heart, not because we're ungrateful, but because, and I put this up there, Jesus was sad because while following the rules, they missed the Redeemer. I think we relate with the 90% because it's easy to get stuck in an environment where if we just be good, be faithful, and do good, things are going to be good between God and I. And so then we create an environment and we assess and we say, what God wants from me is to just be faithful. And when I'm faithful, then God's pleased with me and so I got to keep that up. And so please tell me what to do to be faithful. Because when I am, I'm good. And so the 90%, the nine, they're on their way to be faithful. And it really has little to do with Jesus, whether he's the Messiah or whether he's not. Listen, thanks for healing us. We're on our way to be faithful so that we can be right with you because we need a priest to say to us, you have fulfilled the law. You have done well. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says this, no one can ever be right with God by doing what the law commands. But now God has shown us another way. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's another way. 
There's another way. There's another way. There's another way. There's another way. There's another way. And this way is messy. It's not put together. It's confusing. It can be frustrating. It can contradict itself because it's like, well, what do you mean not be faithful? The Bible's full of like, the manual says be faithful. So what does that mean? And how do we do it? I don't understand. It's messy. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. So Jesus says, only the Samaritan came back? It took a non-Torah taught person to show you what's important. It took somebody who doesn't know the rules, hasn't been in the environment so long that they've created this beautiful little Christian box or bubble. And if I just do these things, I can succeed. And it took some, have you ever met somebody that's just like brand new on the scene and they're asking all kinds of crazy questions? And you're like, that's a really good question. Thank you for asking that. I've been in this environment too long where I, I forgot to ask good questions. And so I'm just kind of like doing the thing because I know how to win here. Anybody been in church long enough where you just know how to win? I know how, I don't, I know how to win in a Christian environment. Now, maybe it doesn't mean your soul's winning, right? When you look in the mirror at night, it doesn't necessarily mean the person you're looking at is like, wow, that's life-giving. I've got a revival going on. But in the exterior, I know how to win here. Just do the stuff, right? So the 90%, don't miss this. The 90%, the nine, they went to the priest and, and they got pronounced because they no longer had leprosy and they were fulfilling the law. And so, and so they got pronounced, you have fulfilled the law, you are clean, here's your certificate to worship. sweet. And they walked away feeling like we did it. This is good stuff. Like pat each other on the back. You going to that Torah study later? Come on, let's go. Right? And yet you look at the 1% or the 10%, the, the one guy, he goes to Jesus. He's, you know, he falls down, ugly cry, the whole deal. And then don't miss this. Jesus says, your faith has made you well, but that word well is not healed. That word well is sozo, which is a fun word to say. Sozo. It's like, it should be like a dojo name, you know what I'm saying? Sozo. But sozo means saved. Your soul has been redeemed. There's something that took place on the inside. It's the same word for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have sozo, life. It's amazing. So the one guy who totally disregarded what Jesus said was reborn and revitalized and had revival in his heart. And the other nine who did everything right, walked away high-fiving one another and completely unchanged on the inside. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? 
Come on, this is what Heart Church is about. We're going after it with all of our heart. It's a messy message, but it's beautiful because it has to do with a transformation from the inside because we behold Jesus and realize that he is doing an incredible work in us. See, when you follow the law, thank you for that. When you follow the law and live right, there is a reward. It's just not what you think. It's a reward. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. When you do all the right things, there is a reward. Good things happen. When you're nice to people, they're nice to you. When you save money, you have more money, right? When you don't sin, then the wages of sin don't catch up with you, right? When you walk in the light, like all of that stuff is good and it's all biblical and it's all should be something that we walk in. But when we do it, because that's the whole deal, then the reward is you have a nice life. But it's not a revival on the inside that permeates everything you do and eventually you just get tired. See, the foreigner hadn't learned about all the rules. The Christian box hadn't been created yet. All he knew is my life's been changed. I'm pumped. My life's been changed and I'm excited. My life's been changed and I can't wait to tell everybody, hey, we should go talk to Jesus. Like, I, I get it. I don't know all this stuff and I'm sure there's scriptures in the manual. And I'm gonna get to that. I really am and I wanna be faithful, but can we just go back and talk to Jesus? Because he's amazing and he changed my life. Matthew chapter 18, verse three. Learn this well, unless you dramatically change the way you think to this messy message and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter it. Have you ever met somebody that just got saved and um, they just have this like childlike awe about the things of God. They're just like, everything's amazing. I love the word awe. It's, how, it's, it's, it's where awesome came from. Just in awe. When I was a youth pastor in the Northwest, we were at a big event. And um, at this big event, there was like thousands of people there and it was super dark and we were in the back. And... Um, one of the gentlemen that I know had gotten saved at the conference um, was, was in the back. And I was talking with him and stuff. Brand new Christian. And God had done something incredible in his life. And uh, it came time for communion. We're all standing in the back and he was kind of over the side. And uh, they passed out the elements. And I was standing in the back um, and, and I had the communion elements. And um, I mean, listen, uh, I, I think communion is super sacred. And I think it's super amazing. And every time I come to uh, the table, I'm convicted. Every time I come to the table, I try to take it with, um, with a sobering reality. I will be honest, in this moment, I wasn't doing any of those things. I was going through the motions. And I, I, was, I was a leader, one of the leaders there. And so I was kind of looking around, seeing what God was doing, seeing what was happening. And I really wasn't paying all that much to the fact that I had the, the broken body of Jesus and his spilled blood for me in my hand, ready to transform my life. And instead, I was just holding it, looking around. You guys are all judging me. 
And in front of me, I was looking at this guy, and he's just getting rocked. I mean, he is bawling, holding the elements. Like, Jesus, transform my life. And through the whole, like, five-minute, you know, thing with the, the elements, I mean, this guy was just, like, lighting up the room. It was dark, and it was like there was this glow around him. And he didn't know nothing about nothing. He hadn't, sp- he hadn't spent five minutes in the uh, employee handbook. Not five minutes. And he was blowing me out of the water as I'm sitting back here like, yeah, I'm fulfilling the law. And totally missing the point. I think before long, if we're not careful, the 90% teach the, the 10%. Quit being so messy. Like, the ugly cry thing? Come on. Like, I get it. You're forgiven. But that's kind of entry-level stuff. Don't you think, like, Jesus forgives our sins? We learned that in day one. Let's move on to more mature things. Let's move on to stuff that's a little bit deeper. Like, let's do a study in Revelation, right? Like, let's, let's just really get into the Bible and quit with this, like, whole gospel thing because that's elementary. And I just love the fact that God is saying, come on, let's get back to the wonder of it all. It's Jesus. He saved us. He set us free. Come on. It is about him and our eyes are on him and he's doing something new in our life. I wrote this, we, we take the wild and crazy 10% and we teach them to be more like the 90%. And, and, and bottom line, it's, it. it's religion. And I don't think anybody in, in our church is religious. I think we all can have a tendency of just essentially missing the point like I did that day. I'm holding the elements and it's just like, yeah, this is cool. What else is going on? <laughs> We're praying for other people right? God bless them. And meanwhile, like Jesus is going, I want to give you a revival in your heart. And it has nothing to do with your good works. It's his finished work. Come on, it's his finished work. And when his finished work becomes a reality on the inside, then we start digging into the owner's manual and it starts to become alive to us. Not asking the question, how do I behave? And I think that's the difference, is that when we read this to say, how do I need to behave today? Because I need to check the boxes because I need to be faithful. And it's like, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with that attitude. It's a way better attitude than going and going the opposite direction. But I'll tell you what, when you open this book and you say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. Show me Jesus. And if it's, if it's a little passage of scripture that Paul talks about how to behave and do things, or if it's an Old Testament conversation about Moses or about Abraham, wherever it is in the Bible, it is a love letter from heaven to us to reveal to us Jesus. And when you look at it through that lens, it changes everything because you no longer can miss the point. 
When you're staring at the point, when you're asking questions about the whole point, which is Jesus, then through Jesus, he is the door. And you go through him and you go, ah, this is what life is about. And yes, it's about faithfulness. And yes, it's about gratitude. And yes, it's about kindness. And yes, it's about love. But it's going through Jesus. Do something in me on the inside and out of that will flow these things but I'm not doing them to be good, to be faithful, to be accepted. I'm doing them from a place of God, you've changed my life. And God, I'm opening this up and you're lighting me up on the inside because there is a message and it is beautiful and it is life-giving, but it's messy. And we must embrace that. And I want, uh, I want religious people to continue to come to this church and go, I don't know what to do here. Like, I don't have a box for this. And so, I don't know. Like, in 20 years, I still want to be pastoring this church and being like, wide-eyed, wondered as a child, totally reckless. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I know one thing. We are not going to miss the point at this church. We're going to focus on Jesus we're going to run after him. I hope that, in, in, that tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the next year that we are being transformed, that we are becoming more like Jesus, which means we're more faithful and that we're more kind and that we're more loving. But it's from this place of gazing upon our Savior and not off like the 90% checking the boxes. The nine went away healed but not redeemed. There's some benefits to checking the boxes, but it's not what you think. There is a life that flows from heaven that has nothing to do with our good works, but his finished work. And this is the beautiful, messy message of Jesus. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the incredible work that you're doing in our life. And God, it's messy. It's a journey. And Lord, I want to pray for those in this room that maybe feel stuck in their journey or God, just need like a drink of cold water from you. People that maybe are frustrated in their journey where they just don't know where this is all going. And God, I pray in the person of Jesus that you would come right in the middle of their journey I pray that you'd remind us, Lord, that it is a journey, that we are headed towards something from glory to glory. We are becoming, we are becoming, we are being transformed day after day more to be like you, that it's about the journey and not the destination. And so I pray that there would be a revival in our hearts. Do it, God. We are asking for a revival in our hearts. Lord, I want to pray for our young people. Jesus, I ask for a revival in their hearts, Jesus. May we not teach them to just do good, but Father, we ask for a revival in their hearts, God, that you would awaken us once again to the incredible work of your Holy Spirit seen through the person of Jesus. And we give you praise for these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.